Hello, welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Vaughn. Hope everyone is awesome out there wherever you may be. Barbados and Jamaica are in the house. I'm pretty positive about that. Anyone else who's in the house, give me a what, what? I don't know. Does that sound good? Whatever you guys want to say. I can't hear you anyways, so whatevs. Okay, um, yeah, it's Monday, and uh, I have some corrections to go over with everybody, because I'm a teacher, and I like to do that, and I'm anal and a Virgo. I was going to say virgin. No, I'm not a virgin, but I am a Virgo. Um, So yeah, I want to go over my corrections, and I realized that last week when I recorded the first half, again, this goddamn microphone did not get picked up. It pisses me off. And then I had saved it. And then for some reason after that, it picked it up. I have checked it now. Looks like the levels are good. I think we're good to go. If I find out halfway through that it didn't record again, I'm going to be so pissed. Not that it didn't record, but that it's picking it up on my real tech microphone. That pisses me off so much because I've got a microphone set up right in front of my face and it's just doing absolutely nothing if I uh, if it's not picking it up right it's just I'm talking into it like a dumbass and it's actually just going to my computer uh, mic so making sure that that does not happen again okay corrections I don't want to be lame and call it my corrections corner like everybody else does but it really it truly is so I'll go back and I'll listen to the podcast and I'll realize that I you know messed up on a few things or the or the facts weren't truly facts. It was more just figments of my imagination, I think. So I watched that Boys to Men documentary again, and I realized I screwed up on a few things. Um, okay, so this wasn't a screw up. I just thought this was kind of fun. Uh, yeah, his name's Wanya. I mean, it's spelled W-A-Y-N-A, but they say like W-O-N, like Juan, like a wonton. Wanya, that's his name, Wanya. I don't know. I, I guess I'm saying it right. Anyways, he was not the one that wanted to play football. It was Nate Morris. They're, they're both Morrises, but they're not related. So it was Nate Morris. He was the one that wanted to play football. So anyways, I don't think anybody's going to come at me for that, but it just bugged me that I didn't uh, get that right. And so here's Wanya singing, and it wasn't from Motown Philly where his voice cracked. It was from End of the Road. Mm, that's such a good song. Okay, so I'm going to play part of this. And you know what? I could probably play the whole freaking song because I don't think anybody's paying attention to this podcast. It's not like YouTube where they're like constantly monitoring every single video and scanning them for music. Like if you have music on for like a split second on YouTube, they unmonetize your video demonetize whatever it's called um but this podcast is not monetized at all i have no advertising so i think i could literally play like an entire song and nobody would give a shit so anyways this is the part from end of the road where his voice cracks it's the second line you'll hear it it's really cute it's like he's kind of like you're you'll hear it it's kind of like he's crying a little bit in the note okay here we go Here we go. Right there. To the end of the road. Still I can't let go. It's unnatural. You belong to me. I belong to you. Go. Sorry. 
I could play that whole song. I love that song. And I really hope that I had that close enough to the mic where you couldn't hear me at all. When I went to the Def Leppard concert, um, I filmed myself singing some of the songs because I was having so much fun. And it was picking up my voice really, really well and not so much Joe Elliott. And it was horrific. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that sound really bad. Like I couldn't hear myself because the crowd was so loud and Joe's voice was really loud, but um, my phone picked my voice up really well, and it was really uh, embarrassing. I don't have a good voice, but, you know, we all like to sing. It's fun to sing, but I do love that song. Okay, so another thing that I forgot to mention is that Michael Bivens, who became their manager um, from New Edition, he went on to have the smaller group, and it was just three guys from New Edition. They called themselves Belle Biv DeVoe. Of course, they had the big hit Poison. So basically, Ralph Tresvant and Bobby Brown exited the group. Bobby obviously went on and had his own solo career. I don't know if anybody ever heard from Ralph again, but anyways, that was it. Belle Biv DeVoe went on for a while. I don't think they, well, apparently they released something even recently, but I don't think anybody's paying attention. Um, okay. My tattoo is a little over a week old now. It started itching probably five days into it. Woke me up in the middle of the night. I was like, I wanted to scratch it so bad, but I didn't. Um, it's starting to scab up now. Everyone says, don't, when my kids, my daughter say, don't pick the scabs off. Okay, I won't pick the scabs off. It's very tempting. Um, but yeah, it's getting like a little bit of a ridge and I kind of want to just peel it all off, but they say don't touch it. Um, but yeah, it's, I freaking love it. I still am in love with it. And I just hope that the final, you know, I know that it's not, I don't have it. I guess I haven't really seen the final tattoo until the scab comes off, right? I don't know. It looks really clean to me. So I, I hope it stays that way and uh, it doesn't start to bleed out at all. So um, yeah, tattoo was fun. I still don't know if I'll get another one, but you never know. It could happen. Not sure. Um, this crossed my mind the other day and I thought I just wrote this down as a note because I just wanted to see if this happens to anybody else. So when you guys are dividing on a calculator, this is so random, but when you're dividing, like you need to divide, I don't know, you know, 47 into 243. Do you know right away which number goes first in the calculator? I don't. I never, I don't know this. I have to do it and see if it comes out to something that looks maybe right. And then if it's wrong, I know it's the other number that goes first. I have no idea which number goes first. I don't know why I can't keep this straight. Is it the bigger number or the smaller number? You're dividing into the bigger number. I don't even know. Like right now, I can't even tell you what the right one is. One of them goes in first, but I don't know what it is. I won't know until I do it and one looks really, really wrong. And then I'm like, nope, it's the other way around. I don't, is that just me? I never, ever know that. And I feel really kind of stupid as a grown-up for not knowing that, but I don't. Here's another thing that I always screw up. I might have talked about this before on my podcast, but B's and D's have always been an issue for me. I still mess them up to this day. Like I still have to, I well, I usually just mess it up and then I have to scribble over it or, um, you know, whatever, start the word over or whatever. But I do, I still mess those up to this day. I mean, I know which one's which, but in writing quickly, I sometimes will do the wrong letter. I just cannot keep it straight in my head. That's just something that's never been worked out in my uh, brain waves. I don't know why. Okay, moving along. Somebody had asked me if I could tell people one thing about HIV, what would it be? And that's a really hard question to answer because there's so many things that I would want to tell people about HIV. I'd want to tell them that they're lifespan isn't going to change. I'd want them to know that it's a pill a day. I'd want them to know that it's really manageable. I'd want them to know that they're not going to die. I want them to know that they can't transmit it, you know, just by doing regular everyday things, all of those things. But of course, the first and foremost 
probably most important thing today is to share with people about U equals U and that when you're undetectable, you can't transmit the virus. That's like pretty much the first thing I tell somebody when they reach out to me and they say they've been diagnosed. I said, you know about U equals U, right? You know that you can't transmit it when you're undetectable. And um, it's really nice to see that most of the time uh, right now, because there was a problem for a while that doctors weren't sharing that information. But um, most people are saying, yes, I do know that. Like, I'm like, good, 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 good. So the information is getting out there. Um, I had somebody on TikTok ask me, what undetectable means. And so for those that don't know, um, I will share that right now. And for those that know, sorry, this is probably going to be boring for you. But basically, undetectable has to do with your viral load. Viral load is the amount of HIV that's actually in your body. And so just for example, when I was diagnosed, my viral load was 507,000. So basically, in a drop of blood, there was like 507,000 particles or uh, HIV viral particles of HIV DNA, I guess. I think that's right. <laughs> uh, in one drop of blood, 507,000. That's a shit ton, right? And that was just one drop of blood. So this is like all over my body. So it was everywhere. Um, but when you take the medication, it suppresses the virus, you know, in all these stages of uh, replication. And so it can't do what it wants to do. It can't replicate. And so it's basically stuck um, back in the cell in this reservoir where it can't get out of. And the medication, unfortunately, can't get to it. That's the one thing that they're, you know, of course, trying to work on where they're trying to like coax out the virus and then and then kill it. And it's called, um, oh, God, it's uh, something in. I can't remember. I'll have to put that in my corrections for next week. It's not coming to me off the top of my head. But anyways, um, and I'm sure somebody's out there saying, it's that, you've got to know that. And I know there is, a, there is a name for it. It's something and something where they pull it out and then they kill it. That's what they're working on this technology for that. But, you know, as a cure. But it, basically, it's like it's in that reservoir, the viral particles that are left because the drug pressure puts so much pressure on this uh, replication process that it's the replication doesn't ever happen. So um, undetectable means you're at such a low level, like the amount of virus that's in your blood is so low that it's undetected. Um, but, you know, in some countries, 200 and under in a drop of blood is still considered undetectable. They could still find 200 viral particles in your blood, and they still consider that undetectable, but, and you still can't transmit it. That's the point. Um, my doctor goes with 20 and under being undetectable. So when I was like at 35, she said, well, you're really close. But like if I was in the UK, they would have said, no, you're undetectable because we're 50 and under here. We say 50 and under is undetectable. So when I was at 35, she said, no, when you're at 20 and under. So I I finally got to 20 and under and um, now I'm at not detected actually so when they check it they actually can't find even one so what it means is that it's not floating around in my blood freely anywhere there's no free particles floating around it's just in these little reservoirs in the cell that it's laying dormant but you know um, I know somebody might say, well, no, it's not just laying dormant. It, some people say that it causes inflammation, and I'm sure this is probably true, that just the, that virus in the cell reservoir could create some kind of um, inflammation somewhere. I don't have any inflammation on me that I'm aware of. I've never felt anything. I feel exactly like I always have, so uh, I don't think it's affecting me, but I'm not going to sit here and say that that can't be something that could happen. Apparently, that's what's, you know, people talk about and I've seen that online that it can cause some kind of inflammation where I don't know but um, that's the uh, problem basically with having that leftover part in the uh, cell reservoir 
But um, so that's undetectable. And somebody had asked about that on my TikTok. So I did a little quick TikTok about it. And I thought I will talk about it on here as well. Um, and then somebody asked me about I, I put up a post on my Instagram, by the way, I forgot to say on my tattooing uh, highlight, there's a tattooing highlight on my Instagram, it's at my Jennifer Vaughn HIV Instagram. There's a specific highlight for my the day I got the tattoo. So if anybody wanted to watch and see me get the tattoo, it's on there. Also, my daughter got her her tattoo, and that's on there. Um, so someone had asked me, because um, I'd put up a post about being interviewed. I was interviewed by my cousin's daughter for her master's program, something to do with a global women's initiative, and it's going to be... I think I'm not sure if my actual interview will be posted on that website, but she's going to use that information for her like master thesis type thing. So it was a real honor to be interviewed by my I always feel like she's my niece, but she's my cousin's daughter. I think she's I think Ashley's what like 35. But to me, she's always like, you know, she was the baby. I held her when she was a baby. And um, it was really nice to see her and talk to her. She's down in LA. And so I just made a post that, you know, retelling my story um, is part of my advocacy. Like I will retell this story a lot, even in the future, obviously, because people haven't heard it. Not everybody's heard it. And I get asked a lot to speak about it and, um, you know, share what happened to me. And someone had asked me in that post, if I ever feel like PTSD from repeating it, um, and going over all the details. And the answer to that was not at all. It, I don't know. I'd, I, it's not like that at all. It's just a story at this point. It doesn't affect me because it's been so long. Um, I'm not in this place of like holding any of that pain in me at all. I think that's real normal for people to be able to let that kind of stuff go after some time. Just like the shooting, it's almost like it happened to somebody else. I don't sit here and have this like, <gasps> when I see a gun or something like it's just, uh, I don't, I'm not in that spot anymore. It's been way too long for my brain to have any kind of uh, PTSD from either of the those things. So uh, no, I don't have PTSD from telling my story. I'm happy to tell it. And again, if it helps somebody that, you know, is newly diagnosed or, you know, somebody who knows somebody who has HIV or for somebody who doesn't know anything about HIV and it gives them more of an insight as to what it is and what, you know, people go through or what it's all about today, then um, by golly, it is worth it to talk about it. So um, yeah, I'm all for that. Um, it's funny, uh, speaking of HIV, I'm just doing my little HIV segment here. I was talking to a friend. Um, he told me that he really liked my picture from the one that says this is what HIV looks like. It's kind of like my calling card. It was kind of like right after I did my YouTube video. I ordered that shirt online. I don't even remember how I how I did it. It was kind of a custom order. I know I, I wanted a baseball type shirt. And I think I... I think I did the lettering for it because other people have asked me where I got it. And I'm like, it's, I'm drawing a blank. I know I just ordered it online, but I don't think it was already made. I think I had the lettering done the way I wanted it, but maybe not. I don't know. Anyways, I took that picture in my backyard or my daughter. I had her take it. I said, just take a picture of me with a shirt on. And, um, you know, I'm going to throw that up on, I don't know. It was probably Facebook at the time. Again, this was the very beginning of my social media journey and I the YouTube video had not been up very long so I really didn't have much going on it was more I think for just my Facebook friends who knew um, what was going on at this point and there was also people starting to follow me on 
YouTube. And I think last week when I said that I remember when I had 35 subscribers and I had just been talking about having 60,000, I wasn't referring to when I remembered when I had 35,000. I was referring to when I had 35, like three, five, that was it. And just going, who are these people? Because everybody else up until that point had been on Facebook and I knew them. So to have people follow me that I didn't know was really weird. Anyway, um, so yeah, I took that picture in the back and um, Anyways, uh, I was telling my friend, thank you, Daniel, for saying you like that picture. Um, I like a freaking kook. I was telling him the story. I went to Costco with this shirt. I don't know what I was thinking. I do not. I was in such a state of mind of wanting to like just show people this is what it is. And I wanted to confuse everybody because I look healthy and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to still look attractive at 45 and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be ballsy and I'm going to go do this. And I, you know, I think of all these like prank videos where people are like videotaping people in public where they're doing crazy stuff and then they catch it all in film. It wasn't a prank, but I thought I'm going to wear this shirt. I'm going to wear this shirt in Costco. And I did. I freaking went in by myself. <laughs> what a freaking kook. I go into Costco with this shirt on and I'm trying to hold my phone and push the cart. So I'm trying to hold my iPhone on record in front of me in a way that doesn't look obvious. There's no way to hold your phone against your body without <laughs> it looking like you're trying to record people. I mean, there's just, and like, what am I going to do? Like tilt it up a little bit and that's not going to look obvious. I mean, really somebody needed to be following without being obvious, like off to the side is what needed to happen. Um, I couldn't seem to get any shots of what I wanted, but I certainly had people look at me and do double takes. And like, looking back, I'm just, it's so cringy to think like I, that. Why did I do that? Why? Like, that is not a shirt I should be wearing out of this house. It's not, it's just, it's just weird. I mean, it's fine at a convention for HIV, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, are people wearing shirts that say this is what diabetes looks like? <laughs> this is what someone with a hemorrhoid looks like? I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to break the stigma, but like, I don't think that was the right approach. It just, I'm still, I'm still embarrassed. And it just, it came to me uh, when I was talking to him that I'm like, oh my God, I freaking did this. I can't believe I did that. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? So yeah, wore my um, HIV. This is what HIV looks like to Costco and hopefully those people <laughs> weren't too traumatized by it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, uh, what else? I am obsessed. I am like super obsessed. I'm such a creep with Olivia Rodrigo. Oh my God. She is <laughs> freaking amazing. Okay. I listen to a lot of TikTok or I watch a lot of TikTok and I'd say probably four of her songs, maybe five of her songs are prominently used on TikTok. Um, for, you know, people, you, if you don't know about TikTok, you make your little videos and there's songs that are viral songs and she has many of them. And I didn't really know much about her. Um, apparently her album is all based on this dude that she dated from like the Disney show or whatever. I don't know. They're like on Disney plus together. I'm probably saying that wrong, but it's some Disney show. She's as cute as a button. I mean, she's so cute. What is she like? I thought she was maybe 15 or 16. Apparently she's 17 dark brown hair, a little Latina looking. I think she's like mixed uh, race and just gorgeous girl. And, um, you know, the girl I was dying to be in high school and I wasn't. And apparently she'd been dating this guy from Ryan filled me in on all this. She'd been dating this guy from this Disney show they were on. And then I don't know, he, he broke up with her and he ends up with another girl on the show. Who's equally as pretty, but more like a blonder type. 
And so these songs are all written about this breakup and this him being a traitor. And I, they are so good. They're all a little sad and they're all about a breakup. So I'm not feeling, honestly, I'm not feeling that part of it, but I love the sadness to them. I don't know why my neighbors probably think I'm the biggest weirdo because they're always in the backyard when I'm in the backyard. They live in their backyard, but we there's like this pretend invisible wall. I don't talk to them and they don't talk to me. Like the dogs will bark at each other and we both tell our dogs to be quiet, but we never say a word to each other. It's really weird. I think we just want to keep this pretend visible wall up so we never have to like have conversations over the wall if that makes sense like I have a we're on a different level ground kind of so I'm a little bit below them so I have cinder block I don't know like four feet up and then I have a regular wooden fence that goes up and then their backyard starts higher up so we're not at the same level as it is but they're out there all the time. And I guess my point is, is that I've been out there gardening or laying in the sun or whatever. And I'm just blasting this girl who's singing about getting her driver's license and the, you know, how sad she is that she can't drive by this guy's house now because they're not together. <laughs> and she's singing about red lights and stop signs. And I don't know. I'm sorry, but it is so catchy. I love it. And Ryan is laughing at she's This is like Ryan's music. And she's like, mom, would you stop? Every time I come into your room, you're playing deja vu. Again, if you know these songs, you'll understand, but they're good. They are good. I'm telling the whole album is good. And, um, it's kind of reminds me of Britney when baby one more time came out. It was kind of like, why can I not stop watching this? Like she was mesmerizing. I remember um, Howard Stern talking about that. Like it was, we felt, or, you know, he's a man. So even more so, but he felt, he said he felt so inappropriate because he couldn't stop watching the video over and over again. It was like, yeah, there was something about Brittany and the way she commanded herself in an innocent way, yet she knew what she was doing and she moved that body and she had the right look. She just, the cutest little, you know, doe face, but, sweet and beautiful at the same time and sexy it was all very confusing right super confusing the song's great and catchy so that song I've always loved that song I still love it it's a little bit how this Olivia Rodrigo is and apparently she wrote all of the freaking songs like where do kids come up with this talent I mean she's 17 oh and here's the best part here's the best part the dude that she's crying about that left her for this other girl and now this other girl's dating him or whatever now ryan gave me the scoop on this too apparently he's not with her either now he came out as bi so i'm like oh my god all this energy for nothing because i'm sorry i think he's probably on the road to just being with guys that's kind of typical that's the slow way of going into it. I'm just going to say I'm bi because then it's not too shocking for everybody. But then eventually I'm just going to let that girl part go. Example one, Shane Dawson. Okay. I know my daughters get really mad when I say that, but I said it's just, it's just usually a stepping stone. They're like, that's not true. There's a lot of fluidity and sexuality and bisexuality is definitely a thing. I think it for sure is, but I also think um, that it can be used as a way to, uh, you know, soften the blow for those around that are not ready to hear that you're completely gay, you know, and so but good for him, you know, he's on he's on the way. But anyways, the point is, is that these poor girls are like crying about this guy that I don't know that he really was even into him in the beginning. So but he's got some really amazing songs written about him. I mean, like, every single song is about this breakup and like how she's suffering the loss of like his absence. And now he's with this other girl. And I don't know, I just I love them.
They're very teenage angsty, and I am not a teenager, and I should not be singing about angst, but I I don't know, I keep, like, I'm blasting into my car, I drove up and picked up Ryan at Chipotle, and she got in the car, she's like, oh my god, mom, stop, and, like, she <laughs> turned the volume way down, but I don't know, I'm I'm gonna keep rocking it out, I, I'm really liking, I'm digging Olivia Rodrigo, she was on SNL, I mean, check her out, she, like, belted it out on SNL, she has a great voice, she might even play an instrument. I don't know. But she's, if, if you can write songs like this, you're set for life. I mean, that is just pure talent. I know there's got to be some kind of formula because she just, and you know what she does? And I'm sure there's a name for this, but I don't know what it is, where you you sing a line and the word, oh, I don't know how to say this. Like It's like the word at the end of the line will then flow into the first word of the next line, if that makes sense. And it will kind of relate, but it can't think of an an example she's really good at doing that like she'll leave half the word off and then the rest of the word will start the next line if that makes sense it's really clever it's very clever very witty and um it's making it hard for me to memorize the songs because I can't freaking remember that it's like it's just part of that and then it's going to start into this new part so yeah, I'm sitting here on my computer with the lyrics in front of me, with the music playing, trying to sing so I can get it in my head because it's like muscle memory. If I can read it and sing it like like I'm 16, right? I feel like I'm freaking 16 again, like sitting here singing it to my computer so that when I get in my car, I'll have it memorized and then I'll feel really good when I can sing the whole song by heart because that's where I'm trying to go with this. I want to sing Olivia Rodrigo's songs by heart really well. Yeah, check her out. Uh, my favorite songs are Happier, Good For You, Deja Vu, and Driver's License. Those are, I think, my top four. But I seriously, like everything on there is good. Jealousy, Jealousy, True Criminal. Is it Favorite Criminal? I think that's it. No. True Crime? Crime Criminal? I don't know. There's something about crime and criminal. No, it's criminal. I don't freaking I don't remember. I keep thinking I don't like that song, but then I do. Oh my god, I could actually play one of these. Hold on, I'm gonna play one. Okay, I'm gonna play the best part of um, Driver's License. Listen to this. <gasps> it's the best. It's the best. Oh my gosh, it just evokes. Oh, favorite criminal. There it is. It just evokes this feeling. It's so heavy. And I mean, this girl is like 17. She's and she's the littlest thing too. But she's like making these songs that like really have this. I don't know. I feel like they have a lot of power. Okay, let me bring it up. Hold on. I love that I can play songs on here. Um, driver's license. It's this, and she only does this part once in the song, and it's my favorite part of the song. No, that's not it. That's not it. I had it up. Hold on. Okay, this is it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Listen to this. Oh, hold on. That's not it. Oh, oh, here it comes. Listen to how this builds up. Oh my god, I love that. Here it comes. You said forever, now I drive alone past your street. Here it comes. Here it is.
Oh, love that. I love the way she says, because I still fucking love you. That's so good. Okay. That's enough of Olivia Rodrigo. I really apologize if anybody had that playing out loud and they were mortified by that song, but I think most people will like it. It's there. She's doing very well on the charts. Okay. I looked back at my notes and, um, I don't think I ever told my unicycle story, so I'm going to tell it now. Um, I scanned through all my other, uh, past podcast and it didn't look like I had ever told the unicycle story, my famous, famous unicycle story. So I don't know about you guys, but how many of you can say that you have been on a unicycle one and that you learned how to ride one? I bet that none of you know how to ride a unicycle. It is not easy. Let me tell you that. So junior high summer, I'd say it was going into sixth grade to seventh grade, I believe. So I was what? 11. I think I was 11. I met this girl. Her name was Janine Pete, and she was on my stepbrother's baseball team. She was a shortstop and she was smoking hot. Janine was hot. She was that kind of girl and she was athletic. I mean, she was the shortstop. What does that tell you? That's like prime position, right? And she could hit. And I remember Janine had these like shapely legs. She wore really tight pants. And I remember thinking like, I didn't have that shape. I didn't have that. I remember thinking like there was a bump in the back of her leg. It was her hamstring. I didn't really have that. And I remember thinking like, she's so lucky. And I remember her having, this is kind of weird, but I remember having her like a cute little butt. I'm not gay. I just thought Janine was really pretty and I wanted to look like her. And it was during the time that Madonna was really big and we would wear like the big plastic earrings and you know, the beaded necklaces that would match the earrings that like, I remember we had like lavender and they'd match the earrings we did like the makeup like Madonna. She probably did more than I did. I tried to follow her. She was um, half Caucasian, half, I think her mom was Japanese. Um, And anyways, Janine was just a beautiful girl. She still is. She's gorgeous. But Janine was a daredevil. And so was her family or not. I don't know if daredevil, but they had things at their house that I didn't like they had a boat and they took me water skiing. I learned how to water ski with the Pete family. Um, and they had motorbikes and they would go to Hollister Hills and I would get on the back either with her dad or her brother. Um, Janine was, it was too dangerous, I guess, for me to go with Janine on a double. So I would either go with her brother or dad and, um, we'd go riding on Hollister Hills at the motorcycle hills there. So like I was exposed to things with the Pete family that um, I didn't have in my regular home life. My parents were divorced at that point and I was living with my mom. My brother and sister were older and they weren't living at the house. So being with Janine and her family was like, it was just so much fun. And it was the summer of just amazing opportunities with them. We, I just had a great time. I know it was hard for my mom because I spent like literally an entire summer over Janine's. I remember I was spending the night at her house all the time and um, her family was really, really sweet to me. But um, Janine happened to have two unicycles kind of just thrown in the garage. And so she says, we should learn. Also, I should like emphasize that we were both boy crazy. By the way, I don't even know why Janine wanted to be my friend because I was sort of a nerd and I didn't get why this girl who was so amazing gravitated towards me. I did not get it. So I just played it off like, of course, you're going to gravitate towards me, right? And I'm like, but inside, I never really understood it. And I felt lucky that this girl wanted to be my friend. I never really got it. And um, I w- it just felt like an honor that she wanted to spend time with me and she thought I was cool enough to be around her to do these things. So I probably put myself out there more and made myself 
try these things because I wanted to impress Janine. I wanted to keep my friendship with her. And so, um, with that said, she had these unicycles. And so she said, it was always like her telling me, this is what we're going to do. I remember she even called me up one day and she's, she said, um, all right, no, maybe I called her. That was it. I called her. I'll never forget this. And I said, Hey, do you want to play? And I think we were 11 at the time. She was, Jennifer, we don't say play anymore. It's hangout. I'm like, Oh, like, I, I didn't know. Like, I, apparently it changed at 11. I didn't know. So like, I remember that moment. I was in my mom's room on the, you know, rotary phone. I remember exactly that moment. And she was like, yeah, don't say play anymore. It sounds really like childish. I'm like, oh, okay. So anyways, we were boy crazy for sure. And of course, Janine always got the boys looking at her. No one was ever looking at me. It was a little, that was hard. But um, I wanted them to. So I thought whatever Janine suggests, I'm going to go with it. And I'm going to try it too, because maybe that will be, you know, they'll turn their head and look at me. I mean, really at 11, I was really, I was concerned. I liked boys. I mean, I always liked boys, always, like even in kindergarten, I always had crushes. So and I had my first boyfriend in fifth grade. I mean, I don't know if we even talked for a week. It came through on like notes and apparently we were dating. And then I don't think we ever really talked after that. Uh, EJ Finucchi and uh, Jim Oda were both my boyfriends during fifth grade for like a few days. And I think we they both probably told me at some point they didn't like me anymore. That's probably how it went down. But um, nothing ever came of it. But I really um, was hoping that this would catch you know, the boys eyes, if we could figure this out. So we get the unicycles out. And of course, they're like, you know, the seats are really weird. They're shaped like, uh, like a duck bill, but on both sides, right? So they're kind of like these weird giant seats. And what we would do is we would just try to go from car to car to car down the street. And you know, I mean, we were just you just basically fall forward and you land on your feet. Or you fall backwards and you shoot the thing forward in front of you. And like, that's what you do a million times. I mean, you just, it's kind of like snowboarding. Like you are going to just basically, you know, jump off it or fall backwards. I mean, I don't remember ever really falling down on my butt. I mean, maybe I did, but you're basically jumping off it a lot because there's no, there's nothing to hold on to. Right. And um, so eventually I remember seeing her and she like got it and she went from one car to the next. And that was like the first time I remember seeing her like, oh my gosh, she freaking got it. You know, in our minds, we're thinking this is just like only clowns can do this. Like we're just, you know, kids. Like if we can figure this out, we are going to be so freaking cool. And so we keep practicing all summer. We finally get it. We're able to go all the way down the block and all the way back up the block. And we can like slow down a little bit. We can go a little bit faster. We've got it. I mean, we really got it down. And nobody knew that we knew how <laughs> to ride a unicycle. We think we are the biggest badasses, let me tell you. And this is the time of parachute pants for anybody that's aware of that time um, in the 1983-ish around there. So maybe we were 12. Maybe we were going into eighth grade. Um, but I, we, I had like, it's from Def Leppard, you know, or that time frame, like uh, Joe Elliott would wear these parachute pants. Basically, they're just, they're not big pants. They're just made out of parachute material and they have pockets all over them with zippers. And I had a pair in navy blue that I still have in my garage. I can actually put them on. My hips are a little bit wider now, but I can literally pull them on over my hips. And they, they, they look ridiculous if I pull them up with the zipper. But I mean, those were from... I, like I was 12 and I could still get those on. It's crazy. I don't know how because my bones have definitely gotten whiter. Um, Janine had a lavender pair and a white pair. I'll never forget that. And I had navy blue. I might have had a black pair also. 
why am I even talking about that? Anyways, I don't know. We had those pants and that's the time. It was around that time. Parachute pants, uh, Union Jack, you know, sleeveless shirts that time. Madonna, all that. Um, and, you know, the M Madonna makeup and all that. So summer's coming to an end and Janine says she has a brilliant idea. We are going to ride the unicycles to school and every guy is going to want us. So we get up early that morning. We realize it might take a little bit longer because they don't go as fast as bikes. We had to go about, I'd say, five blocks to school. And I was going to meet her at her house. And then we would ride together. Or maybe we met at a corner, like kind of where our two, like, you know, the intersection of where our houses kind of like met if we were on our way to school. It's a little bit of a blur, so I'm probably making stuff up, but we got on the unicycles and I just know that we, we started going and we were, we were doing it and I'm feeling like I, whatever she says, I'm, you know, I follow her lead. If Janine says this is cool and we're doing it, then that's it. And, and she's usually right about everything. Like we are going to be popular we're, all the boys are going to want us because we're riding unicycles. We could not have been more wrong. We had people looking at us like we were wearing clown outfits. They're like, what are they doing? I mean, everybody, there was laughing. I mean, every boy that went by us started cracking up. And we even heard people saying like, why are they on unicycles? Like no one thought it was cool. Not one person. So <laughs> we make it to the school and we are like, we're both like pretending kind of like we haven't heard all this on the way to school. We're hearing people say stuff to us. This is the first day of school. And we get to the bike cage and she takes her unicycle and chucks it in the corner and takes mine and chucks it in the corner. She goes, we are not riding these home and we are never bringing them back here again. I'm like, okay, okay, whatever, whatever you say, Janine. So we, we walked them home and they were never, ever seen at Central Middle School again. And so the story is funny because my ex-husband likes to laugh and always pull from that experience and say, oh, like that time when you run the unicycle to school. He always uses that story as an opportunity to make fun of me because it was not one of the highlights of my adolescence. It was a very embarrassing moment. And God, we had, we had trained so hard for that moment and it was a gigantic fail. So I am, but hey, we really did do it, but no one thought it was cool. Everybody thought it was the weirdest shit ever. And you know what else was really hard? It was the first time we'd ever done it with backpacks on, on top of it. So uh, I don't know that our backpacks were all that heavy, but I know it changed the weight distribution a little bit. So I know we were struggling a bit, but that's, that's not the funny part. The funny part is that we looked ridiculous and it was not cool. And Janine said, there will be no more of that. I said, okay. I'd love to know if I could still um, ride one. That would be interesting. I, I highly doubt it, but I maybe it's like, you know, riding a bike again. You get back on it and you can remember how things feel and you just uh, go for it. Okay, before I forget, I want to give a shout out to um, Kelly, Colleen, John, Daniel, Stephen, one-eared musician, Tara or Tara. I'm not sure how you say your name. And I hope I'm saying this right. Ed Venus. I'm going to say it like that. You know what it rhymes with when I say that. You know that. Advenus or Advenus? I don't know. I think it's Advenus. Um, but hi to you and thank you for listening. I know you sent me a message and said you love listening to my voice. And you said you like listening to my podcast and you're listening to them over and over. And that was just super motivating again. And um, I just wanted to say thanks for sending me that message. Um, what else? Uh, Britney Spears is still dealing with this conservatorship crap, which, you know, I have to say, 
I didn't really know this was going on. And I guess this was because she sort of was proving that she was sort of losing her mind or something. So her dad has control of her life. He has control of her ovaries. I mean, this is the weirdest shit I've ever heard of. I know people have always said that Britney's being held prisoner by her family, but I didn't really get it because she's on stage and she's working and, you know, she's obviously practicing and she's living on her own. But her dad made sure that she had an IUD in her so that she can keep performing and never get pregnant. This is all so weird. And so she goes to court to ask for this to end so she can have her life back. And I guess there's all these people now in her life that are coming out and saying, you know, who were very close to her during all this. And they're saying how sorry they are. Like they didn't notice. And she's calling bullshit on all of that. And she's going to start naming names. And she just said today that she is not getting on stage again until this conservatorship ends. I, you know, I, I've never even heard of this, like in conservatorship. So like he controls her life. Like this is so creepy. Like, what the hell? She's a grown woman. I know she clearly had issues or whatever. She looked like she was losing her mind. But, you know, of course, the paparazzi um, have set her up in a way to make her look bad. And she's even talked about that. Like, when she would go to therapy, they'd make sure that when she... Something about when she would leave the therapy office, it would be in a way that where she'd be crying and then make sure paparazzi was there. So it always made her look like she was crazy. Um, but what for whatever reason, this judge denied it. Like, what? It's like she's literally being held prisoner right in front of all of us. And her, the judge said no. I mean, she pled her case. And she was really vocal about how she feels about it. She doesn't sound like a crazy person in any way. And she's working full time in Vegas. I mean, if she's so crazy, how would she continue to work? And, you know, this is a really, like, extreme schedule in Vegas. You have to be, like, I'm sure, practicing all the time and... You're working all the time. I don't know if it's like seven days a week or whatever, but yeah, that whole Britney thing is, it's creepy. It's just super weird. And so I hope that she's able to free herself from her father, Joe. It's Joe, right? Or is that Joe Simpson? Yeah, that's Simpson. I don't remember Britney's dad's name, but they're both creeps. Both those dads, these families that get involved in their kids' lives and they're the managers, you know, and then they just... uh it just because obviously the relationships change because it's no longer like father and daughter. It's, you know, this is management and it's just, they look at them differently. They're money to them. So yeah, Brittany's money to, um, I still want to say his name's Joe. I'm going to look it up. What is his name? Brittany, Brittany's Papa, Brittany Spears, daddy-o. What is his name? Not baby daddy, dad. How about just dad? James Parnell Spears. Anyways, I can't wait to see who she's going to call out and say, yeah, fuck you, because you knew all along this was happening, and you kept your goddamn mouth shut, and now you come out and say, like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't notice. Well, that'll be interesting. Hopefully it's people we know, because I love when people get called out in public for shit like that. I want to know who it is. So yeah, Brittany, baby one more time. You know that's not the most played song from Brittany? It's Gimme More. Give me, give me more. That's number one. And then I think number two was Baby One More Time. No, 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 no. Uh, oops, I did it again. I don't want to even say that because when I say that title, uh, it's like an earworm. I'll have that in my head all for like the next week. That and um, In Sync's Bye Bye Bye. Those are really bad earworms for me. You know, like if you just say the title, then you're stuck with that song in your head for like a week. And so... So yes, um, Oops, I Did It Again and Bye 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 are my, they are for sure earworms that I can't get out of my head. But 
surprisingly enough, Baby One More Time was like the fourth most played song of Britney Spears. I really thought it was, um, I thought that would have been number one, but it wasn't. Okay, this is Deja Vu. I'm going to play part of this too, since nobody listens to this podcast and I won't get in trouble, but I love this song. She's like, she's a little angel. She's a little angel. And I love her. I love you, Olivia. I don't know what you're doing to this almost 51 year old woman, but I'm just living in your little angst world. And I love it. It's really fun. Just part of my little angsty day every day now. Okay, I checked my notes. I started to talk about it. And then I stopped the recording because I'm like, no, wait, I've talked about this. But I don't think I have. I looked and it doesn't look like I've talked about it. So I am having uh, my lips done on the 28th. I'm going to a doctor in Morgan Hill who's going to take a needle and shove some filler in my lips so I can have a little less wrinkle on my upper lip, which is just probably, you know, from the sun and also from uh, hereditary. It's hereditary. And um, maybe fill out a little bit of my laugh lines, which would be awesome. And I'm looking forward to the pain for the beauty. Yes, I want to fight the aging process as much as possible and you know everyone's doing it even the kids that don't need it but I'm doing it too and hopefully it will um it will it's going to help a little bit and I'm really excited about it and then I go in on the 31st for my last microblading appointment or just the follow-up and they're gonna you know cut some more I don't know slices into my skin and add some more color because it's lightened up a little bit but it's fine it's easy to fill in but I'm looking forward to that getting um completely filled in as much as she can um into owen well are you in my room oh can you not while i'm doing this i know but you can hear me recording oh no i'm not on the phone do you mind i like my privacy i heard a dog being pet in the other room are you still in here okay he's gone I don't like talking to my microphone when I've got an audience in the other room. I might say something that I don't want him to hear, and he doesn't listen to the podcast anyways, but I don't want him listening. I don't know. I might say something that might be awkward later. He doesn't listen to my podcast, so, you know, he can check it out when he's older, when he cares, but he might not ever listen to it. Who knows? And will I tell the doctor that I have HIV? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to come up on anything. I didn't have to write anything down for the um, the microblading. So uh, yeah, I'm not concerned about it. I got a lot of, I got some weird comments on my YouTube story. Oops, oops, oops. I hit the mic. Um, I got, yeah, I got some lady who told me that I, I should not be getting a tattoo because I have HIV. And the person who tattoos her has a history in nursing, like 25 years, and they know there's parts of the the gun, the needle or whatever, the blood can get in there that they can't get to when they clean it. And that can give somebody HIV. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's not a thing. Everything's cleaned. Things are thrown away. I mean, I don't know the process. All I know is that these tattoo artists know how to handle their equipment and make sure that it's clean for the next person. Not everybody knows they have HIV 
or hepatitis A, B, or C when they go in to get a tattoo. So what about those people who don't know? You can't tell them not to come in. They don't even know that they have it. So um, every tattoo artist has to treat everybody as if they all have something. There's no other way to do it. And I had somebody reply to me, which was such a great response. She said, look, I had three babies through my vajayjay and I had HIV, you know, she was on treatment, but she said, I mean, and that's the thing also is that like, I'm undetectable, like, not that that should even play into it, because there should be only one way to clean their equipment. And there's, you know, universal precautions is basically what it is. And you have, you know, you have to deal with your equipment a certain way for the safety of everybody. There's no blood that's going to be left behind that's going to infect anybody. Um, but her point was, is that she had these three babies, you know, vaginally, and she said, it was a bloodbath every single time. She goes, I have HIV. She goes, they were smothered in my blood, head to toe. She goes, they're all HIV negative. Like, do you get that? Do you, can you see that whole vision covered in blood? And they're fine. And this woman's worried about them using a needle on me. And somehow that there's going to be a hidden trace of an HIV particle. And it's going to get into somebody because of me, because I'm such a, you know, threat to everybody and I kind of like tried to explain to her nicely but she was writing everything in caps which really pissed me off because like you're yelling at me like do you understand she said you should not be getting a tattoo like it was so insulting and you just I like oh I don't even know where to start because I'm so pissed that she thinks that this is true I know a million people through advocacy that have tattoos and lots of them and there's no problems and no tattoo artist should be saying no to somebody with HIV again they should be treating everybody as if everybody has some kind of bloodborne pathogen and they should use all the precautions that they're supposed to for cleaning their equipment in between clients so uh I don't know what she's talking about but she said that I don't even know where she was from and definitely don't believe it was California but she said that um, you know, her artist will not see somebody with HIV. And that's why she specifically goes to this person because she knows there's never going to be a risk. I'm like, I cannot with you, honey. I cannot. I just can't deal. So I gave her like one response. And what I said triggered something in her and she came back with like a novel. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I can't deal she has all her facts, you know, all her reasoning why this is so dangerous for me to be doing this and putting people at risk. I'm like, uh, okay. I'm like, I gotta go to bed. I can't deal with you. So, um, I think I wrote one quick thing back, like real short, like, yeah, I'm not going there anymore with you. You don't understand this at all. And I won't be responding anymore to anything you write. Even though she had tried to be nice. She goes, no, no, I support everything you do. I love your videos. And she was trying to be nice, but uh, she doesn't understand that this is not, it's not transmitted through tattoo parlors. I mean, it's not. Whew. I mean, I get why someone might think that if they didn't know enough about it, but, um, you know, most people understand this, how it all works. Just like there's no nurses reusing needles. No one's trying to give anybody HIV. No one's, you know, pretending to throw a needle away, but then putting it in their pocket and then using that on someone else. I, what People think this, they do. It's crazy. People come up with like the craziest scenarios thinking that someone exposed them in a certain way. 
especially in like a medical office. I've never understood that why people have this scenario in their head where they think a medical professional would try to purposely reuse a dirty needle. Why? Why wouldn't they do that? They're so, they're freaking cheap. Like, and, and most of those needles, um, once they're used, they're a one and done. They have a, they have a cap that locks. And so they're already useless after that. So I don't know, but there's a lot of anxiety out there about HIV. That is faux show. Deal with that all the time. That's who I'm talking to a lot through my social media. That's why I make videos about HIV anxiety because it's just so um, crippling for some people. They just can't get past this thought that maybe they have it. And um, it's really hard on people, which is interesting because I just never understood. Well, I never ever worried about getting HIV and I never was sitting there waiting for that test result. So my test result was basically sprung on me, so to speak, because I wasn't thinking it was HIV. I never even considered that. So that was, it was a shock in that way, but I didn't have that time to sit and worry about it because I wasn't. I did test for it in 2011. Of course, it was, I was tested every time I had a baby. Um, all those babies. Oh, that reminds me. I had, um, and obviously those were all negative. And even the one that I tested in 2011, I wasn't like worried. I just wasn't. I don't know. I thought, wouldn't that be crazy if it came out positive and here I didn't know all this time I had it? I do remember having that thought, but of course everybody has that thought when they test for HIV. Um, and I did not have it in 2011, but um, <laughs> I did in 2016 because I got it in 2013. But it was funny. Somebody had written a comment on one of my videos, uh, well, my big video, the um, HIV AIDS story and pictures. And he was trying to find Eric through social media because he wanted to try to save him from me because I am a threat. And he wants to make sure that Eric knows like he does not have to stay with me and my basketball team full of children. <laughs> that was the way he stated it. I have three kids. Apparently that equals a basketball team. But um, yeah, apparently I am a nightmare to be with. So he wanted to warn Eric and make sure that Eric knew he had a way out if he wanted out. And so this guy was desperately trying to find him th through social media to help him um, get out of this nightmare of being with me because I have HIV and I've got all these kids that he now has this responsibility apparently of, of taking care of. Uh, none of that is true. And Eric and I aren't together anyway. It's amazing what lengths people will go to to warn people about this threat of HIV and what it's going to do to somebody. This guy's, he sounds like a lunatic. Like, I can't even believe that there's people that really, and it was a long comment. Like, he was very concerned. And he, I mean, does he not know that I read these comments? I mean, dude. Oh, I have a message. Let's see who it is. Ryan, gonna buy beta fish stuff. Can you take whatever I buy out of my account? Oh my God, like she needs another animal. She already has four rats. I'm gonna leave her a voice message. Ryan, you do not need another animal. Send. Okay. <laughs> That's about it for this week. I'm looking at the timer. I've almost hit an hour. I think once I edit this, it's going to be a little bit under. I always like to try to achieve an hour. Um, yeah, and um, I'm looking forward to some stuff coming up in the future. And I um, still am going to work out that interview with my friend Caitlin. And, um, you know, things will happen. What did she say? Oh, God, I have a tank and snails already. Oh, my God, snails, whatever. Her and her friend are putting together a snail, like, 
habitat. Snails are disgusting. They poop all the time. It's disgusting. If you've ever tried to keep a snail for a while, they just leave trails of long snail poo everywhere. It's so gross. I mean, I think they're cute, but I don't want them in a cage. 35 bucks, she said. Okay. Send. Okay, guys, have a great week. Enjoy this mid-summer week. Hopefully, wherever you are, it's nice and warm. It's been a little chilly here. I'm a little tired of this only hitting 70 in the mid-afternoon. That's the coast for you. We won't really have warm weather until um, basically August, September. We get the uh, Indian summer here on the coast. So I feel like I need to get over the hill to San Jose to just get a little heat. I need to feel some heat. We're taking baths here because we're cold. We're in sweatshirts all day. So our summer right now ain't very hot, but um, hopefully wherever you are, you're enjoying some warm weather and a cool beverage. All right, guys, have a great week. Thank you for listening, all 125 of you (laughs) or whoever it is. Love you all. Bye, guys. Oh, wait, this is Ryan's message back to me. That's great. (laughs) This girl gets everything she wants. I swear to God, she is so spoiled. Okay, guys, (laughs) have a good one. Bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.